If you have your Bibles this evening, we're turning to the book of Mark, chapter number 3. The book of Mark, chapter number 3. We have been preaching a series of messages entitled Treasures from the book of Mark. And as we came into Mark, chapter number 3, we saw that the Lord was taking his disciples and he was ordaining them, according to verse number 14 of this chapter, that they might go out to preach the word of God, which uh, is a blessing in itself. So we're seeing that he has called them and now he's ordaining them to send them out. And as we were studying this list of disciples, it just grabbed our attention that if God could use these men, then maybe, just maybe, he might choose to work in my life and use us to serve him for his glory and be an encouragement to other people around us. And so within the series, Treasures from the Book of Mark, we have another series. So tonight, I want to read in verses 13 through 19. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, we have looked in previous messages at Simon Peter. We have studied about James and John, the, son, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. And tonight we want to look at Andrew. Now, Andrew is an interesting study for me. Uh, I believe that Andrew would be probably the disciple, some of the characteristics of that disciple that needs to be found in every single one of us because every time you see Andrew, he's bringing someone to Jesus. He's got 12 verses, I believe, from the Word of God that I found that mention Andrew. In any of those verses, I don't find him preaching. He didn't necessarily write a book of the Bible, but he's probably one of the most um, helpful disciples, most supportive disciples of all the rest. I want to say three things tonight about Andrew, and we'll be done, and I hope we receive help. Number one, I want us to think about his strong persona, his strong persona. Speaking about his character, he's got a strong personality. Andrew is not a weakling. Andrew is strong. You know what his name means? Manly. He's a rugged, hardworking man. He's a fisherman. Partners with his brother Simon Peter. Partners with James and John. He's a hard worker on that Sea of Galilee. And back in those days, if you're fishing for a living, it's not for the faint of heart. 
it's a difficult job to accomplish because the fish are not coming to you. In order to be successful, you've got to go out and get them. And you've got to find a way to get them and pull them into the boat. So Andrew has experience with hard work going out individually, personally seeking in order to bring them in. Now think about it for a second. You have to leave the safety of the shore. How many of us like safety? And how many of us don't like having to risk and having to leave safety? Every day, Andrew was leaving the safety of the shore, going out to face the elements, oftentimes on the Sea of Galilee, subjecting himself to life-threatening situations in these extreme storms. As a fisherman, his arms being used every day would throb with pain. His hands severely cramped and calloused. His neck and face sunburned every day, casting the net, casting the net, drawing the net, casting the net, drawing the net, dragging the net, carrying the net to the shore, emptying the net of those smelly, nasty fish and taking them to the marketplace and selling them only once you've completed that job early in the morning before daylight, get up and go do it all again. He was a hard worker. His fishing job is not dependent upon a smooth sail pitch. It's not dependent on having a well-groomed appearance. He's disciplined. He's dedicated. He's determined. He's serving. He's supportive. He's strong. He's got blood, sweat, toil, and tears invested. He's manly, masculine, and he's muscular. I want to turn to John chapter 1 and read about when he first met Jesus. Did you know that Andrew was drawn, this man, this manly fisherman was drawn to the ministry of John the Baptist. In fact, he would have been there uh, listening to John the Baptist as John the Baptist had Jesus enter the Jordan River. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Look with me in verse 35 of John chapter 1. Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the second time John the Baptist has pointed out Jesus is the Lamb of God. Verse 37, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. In other words, these were disciples of John. Do you know how hard it was to get followers for John? And now he says to his followers, hey, behold the Lamb of God. In other words, don't follow me. Follow him. John's message was, he must increase, I must decrease. It's okay if the ministry and the preacher's going down as long as Jesus is going up. Amen? And so these two disciples of John the Bible says they heard him speak 
And they begin to follow Jesus. Verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? They didn't say we come to see a miracle. We come to see if you was the real thing. They called him Master. They called him Messiah. They called him Teacher. He saith unto them, Come and see. We'll take time out and say this. Jesus said that anyone that cometh unto him, he would in no wise cast them out. They said, where do you dwell? He said, come and see. Lord God, that's what we've done. When I got saved, Lord, where do you dwell? Come and see. Lord, you'll have to save me. Will you save me? And he did. And guess what? One of these days, I'm going to see where he dwells. Amen. I'm going to see where he dwells. Thank God for that. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Preacher Darren, how do you know those two? One of them was Andrew. Well, duh, the Bible says so. Verse 40, one of the two which heard John speak and thought him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So very clearly, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, that manly fisherman was drawn to the ministry of John the Baptist and was pointed to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Still about his strong persona. Think about it. To hear John the Baptist preach, you're going to have to go out into the wilderness, out into the desert place, and when you hear him preach, you're not going to hear him joking around. He's a straight gospel preacher. He's preaching truth like it or lump it, he's declaring but with boldness the word of God. He is the last Old Testament prophet, though he's found in the New Testament. That's who Andrew went to hear preach. Andrew was a man. He was willing to travel any distance to hear the preaching of the truth. He was willing to pay any price to hear the preaching of the truth of God's word. When he got there, he heard John preaching, repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The preacher that Andrew heard preach wore, he wore a camel's hair and a leather girdle. He ate locusts and wild honey, but his preaching wasn't honey. Honey. <laughs> his preaching was dynamic. He preached hell hot. Listen to what he said when the religious crowd showed up and the Pharisees. He said, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore repentance, fruits of repentance. That's what the Bible says. John was preaching. John had a rock for a pulpit. He had an open sky for a tabernacle roof. He had the Jordan River for his baptistry. He was a man's man's preacher. And Andrew was drawn to that ministry. And that ministry of John the Baptist pointed Andrew in the right direction and introduced Andrew to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a, a strong persona and manliness that got him there. Now, we ought to be a church of Andrews. 
And I would say this tonight, the fact that you're here in this church tonight when it's pouring the rain and it's dark outside and foggy and cold and I'm telling you, sickness abounding each and everywhere and we're not in the middle of a town church or the middle of a city church. You've got to drive a ways if you're going to get here. You've got to be out in the sticks, man. The very fact that you're here identifies you with Andrew. We are the church that's off the beaten path. But we are a church where the truth is preached. And we don't care what everybody says in town about what we're preaching, amen. We're willing to travel, I say, to hear the preaching of the Word of God. To hear, repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We're a church of many Andrews. This church is not a place of convenience. This church is not here for entertainment. This church is not here to tickle ears, but it's here to build saints. Say amen. Andrew was willing to leave the easy place of Galilee and bypass, bypass the religious center of Jerusalem to go out in the wilderness to the desert place to hear the word of God preached boldly and openly and truthfully. He had a strong persona, Andrew did. Number two, he had, a, he had a supportive place. I want you to listen to this very carefully. Bernstein, the great director of the Philharmonic Orchestra, was asked, what is the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play? Without a moment's hesitation, Bernstein said, for sure, it's the second fiddle. I have plenty of first violinists, but to find somebody that can play second violin with enthusiasm, that's a problem. Because in the orchestra, if we don't have a second fiddle, it's a real problem with harmony in the rest of the orchestra. Oh my, what's true of the orchestra is true of the church. To find someone who served with enthusiasm, who's out of the spotlight, whose name is not being recognized, that's the people that cause the, the church to function and to flow correctly. God uses them and blesses them. Thank God for it. Andrew is that very one that's a second fiddle behind the scenes, supportive disciple. He never got to preach to thousands like his brother Simon Peter. Yet, if it had not been for Andrew, Simon Peter would have never met the Lord. You're still in John 1. Look at verse 41. He also findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Okay? So there he is. Simon Peter would have not gotten right with God had his brother Andrew not brought him to the Lord. And yet Simon Peter was used on the day of Pentecost to preach to thousands. But Andrew didn't write a book of the Bible, book of the Bible like Peter did, First and Second Peter. 
Andrew didn't get to preach the thousands. No sermon by Andrew is recorded in the Word of God, though I know he preached. He's the one that was behind the scenes and brought Simon Peter to the Lord. Think about it. Think about his fishing partners, James and John. John wrote the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. He wrote five books of the Bible. Andrew didn't write any. In fact, there's James, that fiery disciple who's out in the very forefront, the first one martyred for his faith, that, that outspoken voice. Yet Andrew, with Peter, James, and John, he's still the link there are in the disciples in the list of Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. Peter is always listed first. James and John are flip-flopped and Andrew he's always part of the first four and he's also the connection to the rest of the group Andrew is that one that you find being the positive supportive disciple who made everything else in the ministry group function well he ministered to people one at a time he was faithful to do those things which were unseen, those things which were unrecognized. Why, again, he led his own brother to the Lord. Where would Simon Peter be if it was not for Andrew? In fact, think about this. I want to look back in Mark chapter number 1. We've been preaching from Mark. Look at Mark chapter number 1. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 verse 29, forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Now think about it. This is Simon Peter's uh, very home. Simon Pe and Andrew, they lived together. And oftentimes we forget about Andrew. And Andrew was the one who brought Simon Peter to the Lord. Now just notice that here he is having the one foot in the inner circle. I'll show it to you again. Mark 13. Mark 13. Uh, verse number 3. They've come to the Mount of Olives there. And the Lord had said, Do you see these great buildings? There's not going to be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And the Lord gives us a whole discourse on when the end times and things are going to take place. And it was Peter, James, and John and Andrew that were there and thank God he was in the middle of that situation. He is in a supportive role. He's not a commanding personality. He's not a fireball type of a person, but he's an upholder. He is strength. He is support. He is not charging and fiery, but he's strong. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians real quick, a scripture that might not be thought about much when thinking about Andrew, but I thought about it today as I was reading over the text one more time, and I added this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 14. The Bible says, 
For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? See what he's saying? God places those disciples and every one of us as members amongst the body as he sees fit. And if we're in a supportive role, if the foot says as the support system, hey, I'm not recognized and I ought to be the hand because everybody sees the hand, so I'm not of the body, guess what? The hand's ministry is over because the foot's not there to uphold him. One time I was preaching, and as I was preaching, the Lord had me take my shoes off and my socks as I was preaching because my big toe said, hey, I'm going to quit this body because I never get recognized like the thumb and the rest of the fingers on the hand. When you're up here preaching and waving at everybody, we never get recognized. At about 30 minutes into the message, I was almost done. My big toe and my feet got really, really cold. My hands were just fine. They'd been exposed like always, but my feet said, wait a minute, son. Get them socks and shoes back on. And everybody on the front row said, yes, get them socks and shoes back on. Amen? Do it quickly. And I said, I started putting them back on. I said, I'm going to put them on because they've realized that they're trying to do something they were never called to do. The big toe is your balance along with your ear that brings balance into your body. When I finished preaching the message, had a lady that had come to the service who was a, a policeman uh, in our area and came and said, I just want to let you know, preacher, I came here not so discouraged. I just want to let you know I want to be the big toe. I don't need to be recognized. I, I don't need to have anybody pay attention to me. I don't need no pats on the back. In fact, I, I'm better just sitting here and praying and supporting. I don't want to lead. I don't want to be noticed. I just want to be a balancer to what's going on here. Hey, God can use many of us to be part of it. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. Didn't say their hands said their feet. Do you see that? What if we were all, what if we were all Simon Peters? We probably wouldn't get along very long. Amen. Preacher Darren, that we don't get along now. That might be the problem. You're not trying to be you. You're trying to be somebody else. Amen. God has placed you inside the membership, inside the body of his church as he sees fit. And if you try to do something else for you to say, I'm discontent with my position, I'm discontent with my placement, is to say to God, you, sir, have made a mistake with where you've placed me. And God has made no mistakes. It's that we grow discontent. Andrew could have said, I'm not in the first three. And I'm jealous, I'm mad, I'm upset. But that was not Andrew. Andrew was there to support the first three. He's part of the first four. And he's there to support them and to link the rest 
right along. Are you here to be a support system? Are you here to be strength? Are you here to gain encouragement and blessing that you might go out and encourage others to be saved and bring them in? Amen. We often ought to think about how the Lord has placed us. Thirdly, and I'll be done, I think about Andrew's selfless practice. I told you when I started, every time I see him, he's bringing someone to Jesus. We're just going to go back to John. We were just reading there a minute ago about how Andrew came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, how John the Baptist pointed him in the right direction. And, and I believe it was Andrew and John, the beloved disciple, that were followers of John the Baptist that were pointed to follow Jesus. And Andrew met the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing he did, the first thing he did promptly, promptly he brought his brother. Now I want to ask you tonight, is it easy to witness to your family? I mean, think about Simon Peter, how, how impetuous that he was. He was always opening mouth and inserting foot, and he was loud and outspoken and brash and rugged and raw. That's Andrew's brother. And as soon as Andrew met the Lord Jesus Christ and knew he was the Christ, the Messiah, he has a burden for his family. He has a burden for his brother. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, in verse 41, he first, the first thing he did was he found his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. You see, you see what he's doing? Every time he sought, he brought, and he taught. Every time he sought, he sought Simon Peter. He brought Simon Peter, and he's going to teach Simon Peter. Look with me. He brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. It's Aramaic. It means Peter. It means that he's a boulder. It means he's a strong rock. He said, I'm going to transfer you to, from the name Simon means unstable. I'm going to change you from being unstable to becoming a rock. What about that? When he first met him, the very first time he met him, that's what he said to him. I'm just amazed that Andrew brought Simon Peter to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is amazing how you and I, we have family members and we're burdened about. But sometimes because they're family, we really don't go that extra mile like we should to bring them in. And I'm going to say to you tonight, you first thing you need to do is get your family and bring them to Jesus. Before you go down to, the, to, to, to all these other places, and everybody, I know all these other people need help, but your family, God called you first to your family. You need to get your family in the boat. They're not getting in on their own, just like the fish are not jumping in the boat. You need to go where they are and bring them to Jesus. I'm challenging you tonight. Andrew from the fishing business knew I have to go where the fish are and I have to figure out how I'm going to get the fish in the boat. You, friends, tonight have to go to the family to where the fish are and you've got to figure out how to get them in the boat. I have the right hook for you. His name is Jesus. He'll get them if you'll just share the word of God and be a testimony and a witness. 
Jesus will get them. So the first thing in his selfless practice, he promptly brings his brother to Jesus. Now these are all found in the book of John. Look in John chapter number 6. The book of John chapter number 6, verse number 1. After these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. So all the disciples heard, What are we going to do that all this company will have something to eat? Philip, the bean counter, said, 200 penny worth of bread. 200 penny worth of bread is not enough to feed all these people. I mean, there's 5,000 men. And you know in church how it is. There's always more women in church than there are men. And that ought not to be so, but it's the truth. You look around. A lot of women will come to church. Their, their, their man won't come. And I'm just saying tonight, a lot of times there's more women in church than the men. And that's, that's most any church I go to. That's what I see. There was probably more women there that day than there were the men. And imagine if there was 5,000 men, how many women? How many children were there? And there's nothing to eat. What are we going to do? Well, look who goes out. Verse number 8. One of his disciples, Andrew. Again, every time you see him, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. You may not like it. You may, you may not like the challenge that you need to bring your family to Jesus. But it is a challenge. I've got to bring my family to Jesus too. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So who is it that goes out? Who is it that quietly, reservedly goes out looking for someone, looking for an answer? It's Andrew. And he finds a lad who's brought a little lunch, five loaves, two fishes, probably like wafers and sardines. Ugh. But he says, Lord, there's a lad here, just a little fella, got his little lunch. But what is this among so many? It's all we got. Nobody else has anything. Nobody was prepared. Us disciples are unprepared. Lord, what is that among so many? What are we going to do? Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves and when he gave, when he had given thanks, distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as many as they would when they were filled he said unto his disciples gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten what a miracle took place now I'm just here to point out the text that Andrew brought a lad to Jesus. It's always Andrew bringing somebody to Jesus. Are you witnessing not just to your family? Are you witnessing to your friends? Are you inviting your friends and your loved ones and your neighbors 
Call me to man that showed me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Are we bringing men, women, young children? Are we bringing them to Jesus? That's the challenge of the text. He is pursuing to bring a lad to the Lord. Is the ministry of this church pursuing to bring young people to Jesus? I sure hope we are. We're investing a lot of money somewhere if we're not, amen? We're trying to bring young people to Jesus. You may not see it necessarily tonight, but there's a lot over yonder in that building. And every day in that school, you're bringing young people to Jesus to know precepts and teachings and principles about righteousness and the things of God. Teaching them every day. You'd be surprised how many children I ask in one class, how many of you went to church this last week? A small percentage. Why not? Well, we had sickness. We had this. Well, somebody said it's daddy's day to rest. That's a shame. Well, where do y'all go to church? And they said, I guess if we went to church, we go to Bethel. This is where we go. That school has become some of them's church. That's an interesting concept. Thank God for it then. So glad it exists. Amen. Now, watch one more time in John chapter 12, and I'm going to be done. Look at John chapter 12 in verse number 20. Watch him pleafully bring the people. He's promptly brought his brother. He's pursued to bring a lad. And now he's going to pleafully bring the people. John chapter 12 and verse 20. There were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, the Greeks, that means the Gentiles. The Gentiles have come up to worship at the feast. And guess what? They're not Jews. So guess where they're not getting in? They're not getting in the temple for the celebration. They're not getting in the temple for the festivities. But they've come, the Greeks, the Gentiles, have come to worship. And they come and they get Philip, who's of Bethsaida. That means house of fish. It's interesting. House of fish. They get Philip and they said, sir, we would see Jesus. Boy, that'd be good to put up on a wall somewhere. We would see Jesus. That's what we need. We need to see Jesus in you. We need to see Jesus in me. Amen. Philip, sir, we would see Jesus. Can you get us to Jesus? Now, Philip didn't do it himself. Why'd they go to Philip and not the other 12? I'm going to tell you why. Philip had a Greek name. So he identified with them more than the others, which were more Jewish names. Okay? And so Philip didn't know what to do. The Bible says, he cometh and telleth Andrew. This is what he knew. Every time I know Andrew, every time I've been around him, he's always connecting people to Jesus. He's always bringing people to Jesus. And I'm not so sure about this crowd. <laughs> I'm not so sure about these Gentiles. How's the Lord going to take these Gentiles coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I'm really a little bit afraid to do it. Or may I just say that at his birth, about two years later, when he was in the house at two years of age, there came wise men Bible calls them wise men. They're the, they're the magi. You know where they've come? They've come from the east. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles who've come to worship Jesus. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They came to worship him, the king of the Jews, at his birth. The Gentiles came at his birth. 
and here he is getting ready for his death and guess who's come again to say, Sir, we would see Jesus. Here comes the Gentiles again. Now who is it that's rejecting Jesus? Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. The Jews are rejecting him. They're ready to crucify him. But the, here come the Gentiles. Philip, sir, we would see Jesus. Philip says, I don't know. Man, I might get in trouble. Andrew, you know about this. What do you think is going to happen? Andrew, can you help me? These Gentiles, they want to see Jesus. And Andrew says, well, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so what are they doing? They're bringing them. He, they come and they tell Jesus. Now, what, what, now watch this. This is, this is huge. Verse 23. Jesus answered them. Who is the them? Is it Philip and Andrew? Is it the crowd that they may have brought with them that, that they might hear? I think the Lord is going to talk about, this is going to rhyme. I think he's going to talk about being glorified. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The hour has come. Guess what? When the Magi came to worship him, he was being glorified, right? Magnified. They were worshiping him. And now here come the Gentiles again. He's ready to be glorified. They're going to glorify his name. They've come to worship. Amen. He's going to be glorified. Why? Second of all, he's going to be crucified. Look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What about that? The hour is coming, he's going to be glorified. Now he's talking about the corn of wheat is going to fall to the ground. In other words, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. But you know what happens? Think about it. You take bean seed every spring. And you take them seed and you dig a hole and you put the seed in there, cover it up. God, God sends the, the water and God sends the warmth of the sunshine. And just in a few weeks, that which you buried, which was dead, whoop, comes back to life. And God gives you a whole new bean plant with hundreds and hundreds more of new bean seeds inside them pods. Isn't that incredible? And Jesus said, you bury me, I'm going to lay down my life, but I have power to take it back up again. I won't be dead long. I'm going to live again. Glorified, crucified, multiplied. What do you mean multiplied? But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. In other words, when I'm crucified, and then I'm buried, and when I'm raised again, I'm going to bring more with me in my death than I want glory to God. He's going to be magnified. He's going to be multiplied. I love that, don't you? Listen now. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. He's not saying glorify me. He's saying glorify your name, Father. You're the one sent me. I've come to do your work. I've come to be crucified. Verse 28. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Wow. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. 
And others said, an angel spake to him. Honey, it wasn't thunder. And it wasn't an angel. It was the voice of God the Father speaking. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. What about that? These Gentiles, he's encouraging them. He's encouraging them. I'm going to die on the cross and be crucified, lay down my life and be buried. And on the first day of the week, I'm going to arise. Victorious over death, hell and the grave. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying but what death he should die. The people answered him, We've heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest there the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the, is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For you know, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light that you may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. What about that? In conclusion, the qualities of Andrew, every one of us need to incorporate into our lives. We all have a part to play. We must see other people around us and we have a responsibility to bring them to Jesus. We also need to learn how to play second fiddle. You want to talk about the church functioning as it should? A church functions very well when there's a second fiddle. Not everybody being a big eye and little use, amen. Andrew's testimony was bringing people to Jesus. One of my favorite preachers, J. Harold Smith, when he preached, he had the power of God and the Holy Ghost was all upon him. And when he preached, it was just as if, 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 I, if I've heard him preach, I've heard him preach to thousands and I was there, and I've heard him preach to less than a hundred and I was there. And every time I ever heard him preach, it was just like he was preaching straight to me. And there was nobody else there because of the power of God upon his life and the burden he had for individuals. It was just as if he was laboring just to be an encouragement just to me. We ought to be a friend we ought to be a friend rather than take our finger and point out coldly their faults and trying to tell them truth. We need to have a burden about people. We need to bring sinners to Jesus. We need to bring the sick to Jesus. We need to bring the helpless to Jesus. We need to bring the blinded to Jesus, the deafened to Jesus, the doubters to Jesus, the sorrowful to Jesus. We just need to bring them to Jesus. In the book of Acts chapter 1, we see Andrew, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ, after he was resurrected, was upon the earth for 40 days. The Bible says while they, he was talking with them, he was caught up in the clouds and two men said, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come as you've seen him go into heaven. Verse, 30, thir verse 13 says, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew. You see the first four? There they are again. 
Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And we know that they continued praying to the day of Pentecost, and God stirred Peter with the Holy Spirit to preach, and 3,000 people got saved. Now, I don't have any Bible for this, but it's what tradition teaches about Andrew. Andrew was there when the Holy Ghost fell. He'd been preaching, witnessing, bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to Jesus. He heard Jesus say, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It is said that he was preaching in Asia. And when he was preaching in Asia, he was preaching there, and the governor of a region's wife got saved. The governor was very upset and said, renounce Christ. And she said, I will not. So he called the preacher and he said, you renounce Christ. And when you renounce Christ, she'll renounce her faith. He said, I will not. He said, then you shall be crucified upside down, martyred for your faith until you renounce the name of Jesus Christ. And Andrew would not. They put him not on a cross like we know that Jesus was crucified on, but they put him on one that was shaped like an X. And they tied it to him upside down. And it is said that he preached and Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. They were standing there in the hour when Jesus was preaching about being glorified, being crucified, and being multiplied. And Andrew heard what Jesus said and he died preaching on that cross is how he died. And I'm telling you, you and I would do well to spend our days preaching the Word of God, sharing and being a witness with our families, with our friends, that only Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy a soul. Only Jesus can forgive a sinner. Our job is to be an Andrew and bring people to Jesus. It can be a tough pill to swallow, but it should be a challenge to your faith. Who are we bringing to Jesus? Well, preacher, I've, I've done well to bring myself. Great job. But we need to try to bring others to Jesus. Will you help us do that? I'm going to ask if you would please stand to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you for the good word of God. And Lord, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, we just admit to you, we're not what we ought to be, nor where we ought to be in our walk with you. We pray, God, that you might forgive us. Lord, I do pray tonight one more time for my family. And God, I pray for our friends. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that servant's heart to go out and bring them to Jesus like an Andrew did. Father, I thank you for all that's here tonight. May your blessing be upon our time together, we pray in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people say, Amen.